Pro Wrestling Federation SummerSlam 88 is coming to you live Monday, August 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, replay at 11, only and exclusively on pay-per-view. Hulkamania and Macho Madness, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, combine their mega powers to tag up against the Mega Bucks, Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and the Tag Team Championship bout, the Hart Foundation, Jim the Anvil, Nightheart, and Brett Hitman Hart go up against the most feared tag team in professional wrestling, the WWF champions, Demolition, the leather's gonna fly. Keeping an eye on things will be special guest referee, everybody's favorite body, Jesse the Body Ventura. But who'll be watching him? You will! On World Wrestling Federation SummerSlam 88, where the mega powers meet the mega bucks. The big one this summer, exclusively on pay-per-view. Contact your local cable system now. SummerSlam has always been a, a good, a, traditionally a good wrestling season. There's a lot of SummerSlams I don't remember, but I'll always remember that first SummerSlam was so big. They started off like it was similar to like why WrestleMania works is because the big one, the first one was so big. I mean, yeah. How can you not what forget? What year was the first SummerSlam? 1988. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it went back that far. Yeah, 1988, you had the Mega Powers, right? Hogan and Savage versus mm. the Mega Bucks, where you had Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. <laughs> nice. So basically, you know, you're coming off of a lot of, uh, and it was at MSG, uh, yeah. of all things. So so you're already coming off WrestleMania 4 at that moment, right? You know, where actually at this time, Hogan wasn't even the champion. It was Savage. Yeah, but this is what they were already setting up for WrestleMania five, you know, via SummerSlam because this is when the the funny part is it's just like after the match, it looked like Hogan grabbed Elizabeth's butt, and mm-hmm. that actually was kid. And they like I remember I remember watching as a kid, and you're like, oh man, they're like zooming in, it's like look right there, right there, brother. It's just like he tried to put her on his shoulder. And he used his hand to hold her up. Was it like on a replay or something or what? Yeah, they did it on a replay and they paused it and and his hand was like right there. And it's just like, (laughs) oh man, it was just like, he just grabbed that, you know, to quote the junkyard dog, he grabbed them cakes, you know, and they just, (laughs) and they went back, but it was just like, that was a big deal, man. You had, so you had Hogan and Savage versus DiBiase and Andre the giant and special guest referee for this first one was Jesse, the body Ventura. You know, and it was just perfect because Jesse already had. If it was modern day, was that that was Predator? He had just done Predator. Yeah, he had just done Predator, right? So he was already, he was already, he was their Hollywood star, right? Yep. You know, Hogan hadn't even done No Holds Barred yet. Yeah. At at this moment, so Jesse the Body was that, but he had heat with Hogan. You know, kind of like if you had the newsletter, you knew he had heat with Hogan because Hogan kind of sold him out on the uh, don't start the uh, start the union. Right. You know, so, but his character also had heat with Hogan. Then you had Savage, who was the former partner of, you know, Jesse, the body Ventura for a while. So it's just like having him in there as a referee. And then Ted DiBiase kept going by, don't worry, Jesse's going to take care of us. Like he was going to sell him out. Dude, yeah. it was great, man. Yeah. The, the mega powers meet the mega bucks. I mean, they started off so strong. But listen to this card. So you got the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, right? That was like that that was what sold the show. Main but event. then you also Yeah, that was the main event, but you also had Jake Roberts 
versus Hercules. So I think that was a Jake babyface turn. Yeah. Uh, you had Big Boss Man versus Coco Beware. So you had Hall of Famers. This is Demolition versus the Heart Foundation, which was just like that's when Brett was starting to like people were really at this moment starting to notice, holy shit, this like Brett Hart character mm-hmm. is like has legs. So this was like one of the last few he was actually uh, in a tag team. Uh, the late Dino Bravo versus Don Morocco. Do you remember Dino Bravo? We watched on Dark Side of the oh, Ring. Oh, yeah, he was on the Dark Side of the Ring. He was murdered. Yeah, this this cigarette smuggler, right? So yeah. he was known for, you know, he was in, in WWE. He bench-pressed 705 pounds. Yeah. You know, even though they said Jesse the Body kind of helped it up. And he was fighting the original Rock, Don Morocco. Uh, then you also had the other big moment of this was the honky-tonk man, the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time, had a mystery opponent. Because if you remember, Brutus Beefcake was, this was supposed to be Brutus Beefcake's anointment to get the intercontinental title. Yeah. And that eventually led him to the world tardy. So the Brutus the Barber was over. But a little bit before this, like a month before this, he had that parasailing accident. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. So he was actually parasailing with Hogan for a shoot. Uh-huh. And the paras- the person on the parasail took off. Brutus was in the water. He turned around. The guy didn't get up in time. Uh-huh. And both of the guy's knees smashed into Brutus's face. So he had to have his face completely rebuilt. Like he almost died. Whoa. So right now no, his face is nothing. His face right now is like pure titanium. Yeah, because his his orbital bones were all smashed. Yeah, his face was smashed. That's in. funny. I never heard that story. I mean, you know, it wasn't like you know, there's no internet back then. But I do recall yeah. as a kid uh, in my head saying that his face looked different when he. When yeah. He, when oh he no, his face turned. looked. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like the only reason you knew about it was it was covered by real news, like former yeah. professional wrestler. I'm um, professional wrestler almost killed in a parasailing accident. Yeah. So. They always say that's why they always tell you to have your gear. You never know when you're going to be ready. That was a tragedy, but it was a tragedy that gave birth to the ultimate warrior. Right. Ultimate warrior got the nod because when, when basically when honky tonk man says, I don't care, I'll fight anybody. Just give me anybody. And then that ultimate warrior music hit. And you talked about this, like was ultimate warrior over because his music was so good. Yeah. <laughs> did they so when that did they do it as a shoot that um you know uh Brutus Bar BK was hurt and he couldn't be there? Yeah. They did? Yeah, yeah. they knew yeah, they knew he was hurt. That it's just like he couldn't fulfill his obligations. So they're like, honky tonk man's and they're like, Well, I still gotta defend the belt. They're like, I don't care, just give me anybody. And it was the warrior and he beat him in like ten seconds. But that he had one of those road warrior props. Yeah. And that's that so. was just a, a perfectly executed uh debut for warrior just great oh my god that yeah put it, that, that, put, mean, that that put him over for life yeah that was basically when bill goldberg went on his streak and he was undefeated when he defeated raven to get that u.s title that cemented the like this okay this streak is for real that was the moment for the warrior because you think about it now warrior wouldn't win this is like this was just coming off of wrestlemania 4 he won the intercontinental belt on this was a little after four. He wouldn't win that title till WrestleMania six. 
So he still had over a year and a half to just become the ultimate warrior. Yeah. And that slow burn is just like everyone. I mean, it wasn't that fast of an ascension. I mean, it, it was, and it wasn't, uh, but I don't know. They just got off really good. They uh, introduced the powers of pain. They recruited the powers of pain warlord and barbarian from NWA because they couldn't get the road warriors. So like, never mind, we're going to make our own road warriors. They tried that with demolition demolition got over, but they were never like road warrior over, but they were over as demolition. Mm-hmm. So they're like the powers of pain were the attempt to make it to seem like now we have the road warriors and eventually it didn't matter. WWE would get the road warriors, but I mean, it was still cool. You had Rick Rude, Junkyard Dog, Bad News Brown, Kempatera, the Bulldogs, and the Rougeos all on their first match. I mean, dude, this is 90% Hall of Famers on this match, on mm-hmm. this card. I'm going to watch this on Peacock later. I hope I, can, uh, yeah. I hope I can locate it. It just had a, I mean, there was just something about that first one that just really did it right. I mean, they gave you that, that super card that you needed. Yeah. But there wasn't, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, like you said, there was a few dark moments. Well, not dark moments, but like when I think about what I was t- we were talking about, and just like think about all our memories of like SummerSlam. I think of the first two that came to mind with the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks and the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. I mean, later on you had like, you know, the match made in heaven, the match made in hell. Yeah. Get Brett and Owen in a cage, Undertaker versus Underfaker. That but like through that whole attitude era, they had some good stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just like they they weren't like these bookmarks in time. Right. Like some of these other ones, you know, cuz then I think I was after that I was thinking, well, I remember when Daniel Bryan finally won the world title, but then Randy Orton cashed in on him and that got that heat setting up for that, you know, WrestleMania 30. Uh, yeah. You had Cena getting squashed by Brock, mm. uh, but you had some big ones. I mean, that was the the only time we saw Brock SummerSlam was the only time we saw Brock Lesnar versus The Rock, you know, and The Rock actually put Brock Lesnar over for the title. So for Meltzer, here's Meltzer's top 10. And uh, tell me what you think. Uh, the top 10, like his number 10 actually would have been closer to number one for me. Uh, Bret Hart versus Davey Boy Smith in Wimberley Stadium for the Inter- Intercontinental Championship in 1992. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the few times the Intercontinental belt yeah. was the main event over the heavyweight belt because obviously they were in uh, they were in the UK and Davey Boy Smith. And oh, Brett yeah. All right. Gotcha. Super over. But that match was like 1992. It was basically a, a wrestling masterpiece, you know, because mm-hmm. you basically had two dungeon guys going at it in front of all those people, man. And that was a great match. Yeah. Do you remember that match? I don't remember that match. No, dude, that's, a, that's an, I mean, that one is more of like, not for storyline, but it's the, ironically it was a shoot storyline, right? Cause it's just basically they put Davy boy's wife in the middle because Davy boy's wife is Brett's sister. Mm-hmm. So there were just, Diane was just like, who am I supposed to go for my brother or my sister? And they <laughs> had like, they had all the family at ringside and stuff. Yeah. And it was like a, it was a shoot storyline and it worked. That's great. Uh, then he has the TLC 2000. He basically had the Hardys, the Dudleys and Edge and Christian uh, for another one of their tables, ladders and chairs, masterpieces. And I mean, it goes without saying if that they're going to have some like 
some crazy spots in there that are going to make it worth it. Yeah. But again, that's just like, I think of their WrestleMania one more so, but Uh that was still over. Uh, Then in 2001, they had Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold. Uh, The only thing that was unique about this that I remember is this was right off the heels of the invasion angle of like when they bought WWE bought WCW. Mm -hmm. So Kurt, Angle was representing WWE and Stone Cold had turned heel and was representing the ECW WCW faction. Mm. Uh, But again, to me, it wasn't like anything that would have jumped out at me of just like, oh, my God, do you remember that match? Yeah, no, that first SummerSlam sounds just classic, Mm -hmm. like super memorable, like the first WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Then he had Undertaker versus Edge in 2008. Uh, just like a vengeance match, and I don't, I don't, I don't really remember much about that one at all. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena, twenty thirteen. I do remember this just because this was what I was just saying. This is when Daniel was getting so over, and yeah. Cena, being Cena, realized that like this crowd, Cena reads the crowd better than. One of the best crowd readers of all time. Yeah. I mean, and that might be controversial, but I'm saying it. I don't think that's uh, a controversial read, statement. Yeah. That's just a fact. He read, he knew how to read the crowd and he read the crowd and he knew Daniel was over and he's like, we need to use this. And he went to SummerSlam and put Daniel Bryan over clean. And this was before WrestleMania 30. Yeah. You know, so basically, you know, Daniel Bryan won the WWE title. I know he had a world title run, but the WWE world title run mm-hmm. was due to John Cena beating him over clean and Triple H was the ref. So in a weird way, this is what was setting up for that WrestleMania 30 because remember later on, you know, Triple H was the one that was like blocking Daniel from getting that match. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, Triple H gave him the, the pedigree and then, Randy Orton cast in the belt. So Daniel Bryan only had the belt for like what? Five minutes. Yeah. So that's what made that one important. I do remember that one. Yeah, that was a great one. Uh, I do. I do remember Seth Rollins and John Cena in 2015. I feel like that was like a, Oh, you know what? Why this one's memorable. This is when John Stewart ran in and did not want John Cena to break Ric Flair's record. So John Stewart, John Cena in the stomach with a chair. You remember that? I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, John Stewart basically uh, was defending Ric Flair's record. Mm. And I just remember people so confused that it's just like, I just remember John Stewart looking so small in that ring. Yeah. That's, that's all I remember. He just looked tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Stop having actors in the ring. They're all short. Yeah. Yeah. They look, it didn't work. Now, here's one I didn't remember, which I think, but now that I think about it, I do remember is this important. This was the first time that you had AJ Styles versus John Cena, which is when AJ Styles kind of first came to WWE. So he, this had just, been, uh, he had just dropped at that Royal Rumble. I remember that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, that wow, huge. that's that you're going to have that match. So that was kind of like the what you would have considered the dream match, right. Of just mm-hmm. like the top imp- impact was the number two wrestling company at the time. So you had the top impact guy versus the top WWE guy. Yeah. And I just remember Cena had freaking 
Cena, dude, he's a beast, man. He had great matches with Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe. He helped those guys really elevate by, like, he went in there and let them do their thing, man. Yeah. And that was another, this is a time that he did it with Cena and AJ Styles. I don't, so for whatever reason. And it's I not guess a memorable goes, show. I think that's the thesis. Yeah, no, it, it was in the beginning and then it started to drop. Yeah. For some reason, and it was one of the, during the dark times of, of pro wrestling that I remember, and I was, I remember Undertaker versus Under Faker. Yeah. And I, I don't think they ever called him Under Faker. Who was the Under Faker? Under Faker was Brian Lee. He was a really tall, long haired dude that was kind of like, uh, he kind of had a JBL look. Uh huh. But he had a little bit of that red hair going. So, like, Basically, the gimmick was that Million Dollar Man, everybody had a price for the Million Dollar Man, including The Undertaker. So, And I don't know if Undertaker went away to like get a surgery. Yeah. But like all of a sudden, you had this guy coming out looking like The Undertaker. He had the hair in his face, mm-hmm. and it was Brian Lee, but he was in the gray and the black. Yeah. And the culmination was like, that's not The Undertaker. That's an Underfaker. And Undertaker came out, and it was Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam. And they hired Leslie Nielsen of Naked, the Naked Gun fame, as the you know, uh, what was his name in there? Detective Blood Frank Frank Drebin. Frank, yeah, they, they hired. Had, they had the, Frank Drebin in this one. Frank Drebin was on the case, and it was like sponsored by Domino's. What year was that? Fi- that I feel like that was like ninety four. Okay. Like 93, 94. But it was just funny that, but that was when you got Taker versus Faker, like nose to nose. And then you realize, okay, but that's when Undertaker debuted his purple gear Mm -hmm. to signify he was different from the gray gear. Mm -hmm. So Million Dollar Man had hired a fake. But I just remember that Frank Drebin was a huge part of SummerSlam. They must have been right in the midst of the sequels, the Naked Gun sequels. Yeah, it must have been. I think like... uh, (laughs) They, those were huge. Oh my god! Yeah, what year was that? Sponsored, now sponsored by Domino's. It sounds like the yeah, ultimate it was like collaboration a, ever. George Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy search for the real Undertaker. SummerSlam, nineteen ninety four. <laughs> That's so funny, man! Wow. But it did. Yeah, there's a cool picture if you find it there. It's just like. That's when Undertaker was doing the hair in his face, and you basically it they did look pretty similar. Uh, but there's a cool list here called the five weirdest mo- SummerSlam moments, mm-hmm. and Undertaker versus Underfaker in 1994 was the was the the weirdest moment in SummerSlam. Yeah, but I remember it being a decent match. I mean, Taker's a good athlete, and Brian Lee he'd been around for a long time at that moment. I mean, he he was known in in the inside of the business. I don't know how much outside of the business he was known. Oh man, this is going to be a crazy one (laughs) for current Eddie Guerrero versus Ray Mysterio had a match of custody. And at the time that's when Dominic was a little boy, you know, Dominic now the one half of the world tag team champions when he was a little boy where basically Eddie Guerrero was fighting Ray Mysterio for custody of his kid Dominic for custody of the kid is that they put yeah. that up for the, as the stakes 
Yeah. How did they get to that? Can you remember? Can you remember the build to that? How did that work? I don't remember the build to it. I don't remember all that much to it. I just remember that Dominic was in there and it was 2005. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I think he was trying to allude to that. It was his, Uh but it was a a custody of Dominic ladder match. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Kramer versus Kramer was about. It had to Yeah. That was the 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 WWE version of Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> uh, what else? The weird. Mo- oh, Hulk Hogan fights the character he fought in the movie. So I. Oh yeah, Hogan fought Zeus in <laughs> SummerSlam 1989. That's strange, but I mean it makes sense because uh, No Holds Barred was a kayfabe movie, right? Yeah. So honestly, so I, it I, does make sense. Yeah, it was. That's right. That was. Uh, Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So that Brutus Beefcake came back with his rebuilt face to fight Macho King and Zeus in the main event. Like, See, I mean, even the ones that were bad back then kind of worked. Yeah. Oh, man. It, so all, it all sounds pretty great, actually. I'd like to see all of that. Yeah. So we did have, in 2005, Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And you would think that was a super match, right? Mm-hmm. But that was a match that I don't think Shawn Michaels necessarily... The rumor was Shawn Michaels didn't want to put Hogan over and there was a bunch of weird backstage politics. So basically Shawn Michaels started overselling everything Hogan did. Like if Hogan gave him just a boot to the gut, like uh-huh. Michaels did like a backflip to like sell that gut, that boot <laughs> to the gut. What year was that one? That was 2005. That also sounds great. All right, yeah. I'm gonna have to dig into Peacock. Send yeah. me, send me that article um, because I'd like to see some of those. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I guess, but how is it that we forget about these things though? They they go they don't know, they don't man. stick in the same way. No, it didn't stage. I mean, and think about this. I don't even know if you're gonna remember this. Did you remember that the Road Warriors when they finally made it to WWE, they were known as the Legion of Doom, but Vince McMahon made Paul Elring bring a puppet to the ring named Rocco. Uh-huh. That was also like the puppet manager of the Road Warriors. <laughs> do, do you remember Rocco? No. What, what kind of puppet was Rocco? <laughs> it was literally like one of those, like it looked like a Pinocchio puppet. Oh, not like our current WWE puppet. No, no, no. It was like a, a legit, like, no, I guess it was like the mannequin puppet, like a, what do they call those things? Like, uh, I don't know the best way to, uh, to call them. The Thunderbirds are go. Oh, it looked like a, a marionette. Looked, yeah, marionette. Is the technical That's term. it. Yes, the marionette. It was basically that. And his name was Rocco. <laughs> and they rode to the ring in, in Wimberley Stadium. And Rocco was on the handlebars. Yeah. That also <laughs> sounds good. I want to see that as well. <laughs> but see, it's just like now you're thinking, it's like, is this the same comparison? It's just like. Is there a difference between Rocco and Lily? It's just like, why? Like, but I mean, maybe back then it was hated as well, too. Same person booking it. Yeah, it is the same guy. <laughs> so, so it's just that like, could be a tell. Yeah, that is probably the tell, you know, but that was the weird moments. But like, I think Meltzer's number one match for SummerSlam was Brett versus Owen uh, in the cage. Yeah. You know, okay. and, and obviously that. 100% just saying that that was 19 that was 1994 that might have been the taker versus faker year but like you know if you got Brett and Owen in a cage you're going to have a freaking masterpiece 
And this is already coming off their uh, SummerSlam. I mean, off the WrestleMania match. Yeah. Where they fought. So I'm not surprised. I do remember that match. It's one of the last SummerSlam matches that I remember that had that, you know, the WWE blue cage. Uh-huh. You're right, though. Some of these should be a lot more memorable than they are. Is this stuff aging well? Like, I remember somebody talking to Terry Taylor and they're like, man, I was like, I can't believe you had to wrestle as the Red Rooster. And he's just like, it's 20 years later and you still remember the Red Rooster. So was it a bad idea? Yeah. No, I mean, it's true. I don't know. I don't know why it's. I feel like it is aging well because I do want to see these things now that you bring them up and you know what I mean? And you uh, lay them out for me, but we just don't remember them as classic moments. No. And I think honestly, this is, you know, what's happening here. What? You know, and as filmmakers, we can appreciate this. We are running into practical effects versus CGI problems, right? (laughs) Just like a lot of the stuff is just like, like we were just talking about earlier. You know, Lily, the doll Lily blinking, they use CGI to make her doll blink. Right. Where it's just like, you know, Paul Elring had Rocco. That was a practical effect. There was no special effects. Uh-huh. He anything had to do when the ultimate warrior started throwing up black ooze. They basically had a Will Ferrell him and he had a pipe in his shirt and he had to throw it up. It was doing, practical effects. The Will Ferrell vomiting bit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> but it's just like it for whatever reason it worked back then. But I don't think, but honestly, I don't think hardcore wrestlers liked it. You know, hardcore wrestling fans liked it back then. But I don't remember being like completely disgusted by it because in the end, they usually followed up with great wrestling. Yeah. You know, that and storytelling wrestling, not this. I'm not, you know, again, we've talked about this before. Most of the wrestlers today are better athletes than the wrestlers back then. Yeah, for sure. But the, but the wrestlers back then told better stories. Right. Ultimate Warrior was a horrible wrestler, right? But, man, he knew how to tell a story. I still think of him, you know, contemplating, like, is this it for me? It's just like, do I, you know, I can't beat this guy. Do You know, he was telling a story. Yeah. You know, they 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 were very they were a lot more protective of their characters than the guys are today. And CM Punk is like was one of the last people that was so protective of his character. And Bray Wyatt now I hear is so the reason he left is just because he was so protective of his character. Right. I go back now and I looked at his tweet before the tweet that he sent and it said, miss me yet. Hashtag zombies. And he did that on the zombies match. And that was his way of saying, this is shit. Because he's protective of his characters. But if you would have let Bray Wyatt come up with an idea for zombies, I bet it would have worked. Mm-hmm. Even though, but guess what? They got paid a million bucks, so they didn't care. Yeah, and we all watched it. Yeah, and we still all watched it. But And look, we're still going to watch SummerSlam. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I want to see Cena and... Roman Reigns. So I'm wait, okay is it fair that. to say SummerSlam is the kickoff to WrestleMania? What's the main event? Cena and Roman Reigns, and then you got Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg. It's a double main event. Are we excited about that? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. I, I want to see. I definitely want to see Cena versus Roman I, Reigns because I definitely want to see it. It sounds cool, but like I don't. I want it, but you did like, there's nothing, there was not a whole lot of build to that. It just kind of slapped it together. 
You know, I mean, he called him out and Cena cuts good promos, but I don't know. It's it still felt fast to me that they set that up in a hurry. Yes. I mean, I feel like they already kind of had this match, you know, when they were when Cena was calling out for saying, hey, man, if if you're going to take my spot, you better learn how to work on the mic. And now you're basically getting a more mature version of uh, Cena doing that, you know, a more mature version of Roman against Cena. So I'm that's probably to me, that's the most curious. But I mean, it 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 has potential for disaster yeah i mean i don't know i mean you're coming off the night after cm punk's debut you know so that's, it's just what, we, like, that's how is, what we were talking about yeah we've got uh we've got punk's possible punk's possible debut allegedly SummerSlam the next day jeez yeah who's gonna have who's gonna have the buzz that weekend this is a big a big uh battle in this cold war yeah and it's just like you know, and the more AEW says they're not comp- competition, the more they're more they're competing. Yeah. But just like, I don't think they have to do anything different than they're doing, other than don't overbuy all these wrestlers, and then just let WWE just kind of fuck themselves up. Yeah, I mean, they 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 have. Every they're punching up. No matter what they do, they're punching up against WWE. Right? Will they ever, ever be able to get WWE to punch down? Because once WWE punches down, then they're acknowledging them. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the big one. And it took a while before WWE punched down towards WCW. It took a long time before they did it. But Chris Jericho fired the shot and yeah. said, basically, it's clear that you know. AEW is the number one wrestling company in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> is it, is he wrong? He's not wrong. He, it, what he's, he's not saying they're the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> he's saying that they are the number one. All he's saying is that we are the best. Yeah. You know, you know, and they're, and they're, they're appealing to that 18 to 45 demographic, man. Yep. So, I mean, I'm excited again. We should always start our podcast off with that disclaimer. It's just like we we love the industry and we want WWE to succeed. We don't like we're not the haters that are be like, oh man, I just wish they'd go away. Go away. It's like, no, I just wish they would book it properly. Yeah. But they're just like, how do you convince a company that's making money? Yeah. That they're creatively sour. You just want you want it. You want I just want it to be good. You know, it it, it 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 it's like that feeling of just like, oh, you have all this stuff. Like say you went over to a, a buddy's house and it's like he's got all this like film equipment just sitting there in boxes. It's like, what do you have? Yeah. You got like a red and all these lights and all this stuff. Why don't you do something with it? Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. yeah, it's just like, <laughs> eh, I might I might do something. Yeah. It's just like, oh my God, dude. You know, and especially around SummerSlam, because you know, I was talking to my son and it's just like SummerSlam was always our least favorite of the big four because it was a signifier that school was about to start again. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, so it was just like, this was the bright part of the end of summer. It's just like, well, school's going to start, but at least SummerSlam is here. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. So that is just like, so to have that, like you want this to, you want to have that excitement, but it's just like, it's not, I mean, they started doing, you know, Royal Rumble turned heel, but like, did SummerSlam kind of turn heel when freaking John Cena got squashed 
by Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam after 17 German suplexes and literally squashed him. Mm-hmm. And dude, I, I don't care, man. People who say John Cena never did business never watched John Cena do business because yeah. it's just like, dude, he got squashed. You know, SummerSlam has really been big for Brock Lesnar because that's when he also squashed Randy Orton, remember? That when he started elbowing him in the head and he just started bleeding and the ref stopped it. Is it that like, when he did the hard way cut on his head with his elbow? Yeah. And it was and almost like did, a didn't Jericho like almost buck up to him in the back or something like that? He no, he hundred percent got in his face. Yeah. You know, and, and Vince McMahon had to pull him off. And it's just like even that's when it was argued that's when Jericho started saying, you know, something's going on with this company that he didn't like. And I think that's when he started looking around. Yeah. And to to lead us to here, but it's just like I know he likes to get Brock over as a beast, but like he squashed the shit out of Cena and Orton. Yeah. So I don't know, but you know, I'm a Brock fan. You know, I I'll pay for any pay-per-view to see Brock. Uh, but I don't know. I really hope they pull it off with some, I think, I think the crowd in Vegas is going to be hot. And I think they're going to, there's going to be Bray Wyatt chance during that Goldberg match because they still haven't forgiven Goldberg. For for beating Bray Wyatt, I think Vince is just trolling people with Goldberg at this point. He's yeah. like, ha ha, more Goldberg, ha ha. Yeah, is it crazy <laughs> to just think that this guy was so organically over in WCW in a company that only really could get like the NWO over? Somehow Goldberg got over on yeah. his own, and now people are like, all right, all right, well, enough with the Goldberg. <laughs> In a funny <laughs> enough it's, with the Goldberg. It's like still holding a grudge from a long time ago against yeah. people who, who liked him back in the nineties. It's like, oh, here's Goldberg. You love him, right? Here you go. Yeah. Twenty five <laughs> years later, you're still seeing it's him. like he's still here. Dude, he's still in shape. He can still wrestle. Uh I mean, but it's just like the two things and his after his his Brock feud was great and it worked so well that he squashed Brock. And then Brock got him back. But the number after that, that was overshadowed by him beating Bray and dropping Undertaker on his head. More people remember that than they remember him beating Brock Lesnar in less than five minutes. Yeah. And that's a big deal. He beat Brock Lesnar in like five minutes and more people remember him for dropping Undertaker on his head. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember when he smashed his head against uh, the door and knocked oh, himself God. out before a match. And I didn't even <laughs> see it, but I remember that happened more. <laughs> you know, if they really wanted to uh, really push the envelope, they would have they would have Goldberg versus Matt Riddle because Matt Riddle keeps calling Goldberg out. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, he and it's just like neither Brock or or Goldberg want anything to do with Matt Riddle, but Matt Riddle being an MMA guy, he's not afraid. You know, he's willing. He's like, okay, I'll do business with these guys. And he calls them out. But I don't know. To me, Matt Riddle right now is still probably their number one guy that's not really getting completely utilized, but he's still managing to stay over because he's Matt Riddle. Yeah. You know, because obviously you have Nakamura and you have Cesaro and you have AJ, you have all these guys that are or but like Cesaro and Nakamura, like, I feel like they're being hamstrung by creative where Matt Riddle's somehow just like all he needs is some tasty waves and cool buds and he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's he, he I mean, 
That character's fine. I, if, I, I think he could be way over as just Riddle, a badass. Yeah. I think that's that's right there. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I, it feels like um, I, you know, I guess they're, they're, if they're targeting fourteen-year-old, you know, boys, I guess that might find that funny. But I feel like Riddle just has the potential to be a straight-up badass out there with no shoes on. Oh yeah, no. I mean, obviously, you know, they know you knew him from Ultimate Fighter, so you know, you know, he's a badass. I still think there's a balance in there, and he can come to, you know, he can have the fast times at Richmond High Van. And they can pull the van out and it can be smoke and he can fall out. But then when it's time to go in the ring, he can still go hard. Like, I don't think he can stay like he should. When he's in the ring, I think he should go as hard as he can. But when he's in the back, I'm totally fine with him being, you know, a stoner. Yeah. And get that Spicoli thing going. And here's the sad thing. I have no idea who he's even fighting at SummerSlam. They might not even have announced it yet. They haven't, I feel like they're, I guess we're, a couple, I, we're still a week away. Two, yeah. I, yeah. But dude, they used to, used to know months in advance. Yeah. Well, they're not advance. trying to sell pay-per-views anymore, so they don't need to book it ahead of time. It's yeah, just so. gonna, it's just gonna air that day. And so they can, um, they can make adjustments oh, all they need to. It's just so frustrating. Cause it's just like, I think they're setting up for Randy Orton and him to have like a match for the tag titles with AJ and Omos. Uh, I like his RK bro stuff. I mean, I feel like that's being underutilized. I feel like this could giving them a run for the with the title for a while, and then maybe they're not friends anymore, and they can really milk this. And yeah, but I, I don't I, think I, they will. Well, I think they can do something with Randy uh, Orton and Riddle. I'm not sure what they're trying to do now, and I, I don't quite get it. It just kind of seems all over the place. But here's what I would book it: if we're booking the territories, it seems obvious to me they are a buddy cop movie. All right. Yeah, they are. So you yeah. pair them up like lethal weapon and like they get the tight. They somehow they accidentally win the uh, tag team champions. Now they're stuck together and they hate each other and you have them like keep winning or whatever. And intermittently they have their own fights between them and they just really don't get along <laughs> and just book it like that. Yeah, no, they 100 percent should be booking it like a buddy cop thing. 100 uh, percent agree with that because I don't even think that, you know. Like I said, I don't even think they have a match, and Randy Orton was gone for a while. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't even know what they're actually predicting is going to be the match. So, so far, they got Reigns versus Cena. They got uh, Lashley versus Goldberg. Edge is fighting Seth Rollins, which I think that has a lot of potential. Uh, Again, Sasha, there's just not a whole lot of build there, you know? No, there's not that's a lot the of thing. build. That's, that's where these things don't, don't uh, grab me, is like, I don't... If you don't build the desire for me to watch it. Yep, I you agree. Just expect me to like it. Because it's just a card, yeah. Because it's just like, you know these guys, right? They're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Edge versus Seth Rollins. Nah, that's get, that, that needed a lot more builds. That needed a lot more builds. You got yeah. the Sasha versus Bianca rematch. I think that'll be good. It, it, that'll probably... Yeah. That should steal the show. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. I guess Hero it was supposed to be Bailey, no? Yeah. She's out for over a year, right? Yeah. So it was supposed to be Bailey. So they had to swerve with uh, get the Sasha rematch. Which I think Sasha took a break from sh- shooting the Mandalorian season three for this. Yeah. So. Need you at work. Uh, Nikki, superhero AF versus Charlotte versus Rhea in a triple threat. 
Like we've been uh, watching that match every week for weeks. Every every week. How, how yeah. why do what are they what is the logic here in doing these these ongoing rematches for weeks at a time? I don't get it. The funny thing is they they've had this full roster for so long and they just had no idea how to book it. They had all these guys with no idea how to book it. Yeah. Uh, and then Usos versus Mysterio. So didn't we just see that too? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, dude. So literally, other than Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg, you've seen all these matches. And Cena, these matches. Cena and Roman Reigns, right? You've seen that. That was that actually that actually headlined a pay-per-view before. Really? We did. Oh, okay. Well, wow. That's when uh, Cena was making fun of uh, Roman for not knowing how to cut a promo. Hmm. Okay. And it was, dude, it wasn't even like a SummerSlam match either. It was, it was kind of like, I don't, not like a, I feel like it was like a night of champions. It was like one of those, no, what's the pay-per-view after WrestleMania? Like battle, uh, battle boomerang. I don't know. It was just like WrestleMania revenge tour. There was like it was a pay per view oh, like uh, that. Yeah, it was WrestleMania Backlash. Yeah, it was the Backlash pay per view, mm-hmm. and that's Roman Reigns versus John Cena, and that's when I knew oh, it was just okay. like, well, and they don't. Yeah, we've already seen it, dude. And wow, Reigns, that's, that's Reigns, yeah, that's Reigns went over, uh-huh. and John Cena went away for a while. I mean, all rematches, and then a match no one wants to see. Yeah, so it's just like wow, man. So. I don't know, man. They better pull out something big, you know, because they're going to have a lot of. Uh, oh, but just wait. Cardi B is there. So there will, something's going to happen. <laughs> um, so they got that. So, yeah, I don't know. It feels very, very Rocky three to me. Like you described something earlier as a very Rocky three. Um, this feels like Rocky three. They're in Vegas. They got Cardi B. Um, yeah, they're not really paying attention to their training all that much. And uh, Clubber Lang is. Uh, <laughs> he's on in the, his basement. Uh, yep, he's in his basement doing pull, training, doing pull-ups on a staircase. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting cobwebs on his face. Yeah, dude, I don't know. And it's gonna seem, you know, and again, it's gonna be the next night after freaking first dance for AEW. That's that's people, uh, that's gonna be a, a big weekend. People are gonna be so hyped for seeing CM Punk. I'm, I mean, we already know he's gonna be there. But just to see him in the ring, people are going to be so hyped to hear that music. And I don't know. I think Darby's a, a good, you know, I was reading. It's just like Punk when he was talking about what's going to get you to come back. And he's like, other than a stupid amount of money, something. if you want to save yourself some money, give me something creatively interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and now I think he's having this appeal of like, being able to wrestle Kenny Omega mm-hmm. and Darby Allen and the Young Bucks, so I think he is going to be. Uh, I think that was enough to uh, appeal to pull him in there, and I think Darby Allen's actually a really good opponent to start with because it's not a clear heel or babyface, like because Darby Allen is over, yeah. So he's going to be standing out there with Sting, yeah, against CM Punk, who's who is way over, yeah. I mean, CM Punk is the human version of the ECW chant. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's just like to see no, those it's, two. Uh, it's very smart. That's great booking. Like, you're, it's, it's the right – to me, it just felt like the right person. Because, I mean, when I started hearing about CM Punk debuting, I said, who are they going to put him up against first, I wonder. And I was going through my head who it would be. I didn't think Darby Allen at all. 
and when it ha- when it when when it when it came up, I was just like, yes, that's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great because everybody in that ring is going to be over. Yeah, Darby is the new guy over. Punk is the hot free agent over, and Sting is the legend over, and they're all going to be standing in the ring. Yeah, and that's going to feel like that's an image, sh- an image you just have never seen. Yeah, that's what holy things- shit. This is just going to feel like. It's going to feel so special yeah. to see. And again, I'd love to just say we're not competing, but now you are going to have an iconic image in the ring that you're never going to forget. Yep. And everybody, you know? <laughs> everybody uh, at main who's watching SummerSlam will be watching AEW the night before. Yeah. Again, and here's our hot take. Sign Punk, sign Daniel, sign Bray, and then sign the Iconics and Lana and get like a one more strong Maybe Ruby, one more strong free agent female, and you have your roster. Yeah, and I think uh, do a, do a ladies TV belt. Let's get a ladies TV belt going so we can get some more stories. Oh, or, I like that. Or or uh, ladies tag team belts. So I think one or the others help, but they need they're gonna they need another ladies belt to get some storylines going. I, I dude, I like the women's TNT title. I yeah. think I think you just nailed it. Yeah, that's what we need. Um, you no, know, just you think you just nailed it. But I think also they ha- they've got their their rosters growing. I think it's they can kind of build up their women's tag team division a little bit. At least get uh, you know at least four t- four squads in the mix or something. Get something going. Yeah, they're gonna have enough people, and then drop the iconics in to take it over. Boom. Oh yeah, and I think keep the iconics as a tag team, but have them wrestle singles and just being out there for each other. Yeah. Which why Vince can never wrap his mind around that. Yeah. They can be a tag team and still just escort each other to the ring. Yeah. You're doing it with freaking Miz and Morrison right now. It was no different. It made no sense. I think they pulled it off with the Bellas and it worked great for them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that did get them over. So it's going to be good, man. Summer slam work. What was it that they called it? An NWA the Super Summer Sizzler Tour. <laughs> <laughs> and they could have had that sponsored by Sizzler, but you're going to have a Super Summer Sizzler with First Dance and SummerSlam and the same weekend. And we're going to cover it right here. 